Praise God. I think we could sing that song all day long. Amen. Wow. Well, Grace Church, God bless you. Those of you who might be tuning in, God bless you too. We're so thankful that you have uh, have tuned in to watch and uh, thankful for our team here that has just kind of transposed this auditorium into a TV studio. We had over 8,000 of you last week live on Sunday, many more throughout the week. And so thank you so much for all that you're doing, your watch parties on Facebook and different things. Praise God. God bless you. Uh, if you tuned in a little bit late, Marcus gave an announcement, which was really good. I'll reiterate it really quickly. And so on our website, uh, we have uh, Church for Elementary, uh, preschool, preteen. Also, the youth department has uh, chats on Wednesday night, I believe at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So come on and join all that. We have something for 0 to 20, and then, of course, service on Sunday here, and you can watch it throughout the week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Just a couple shout-outs. We have Joseph's family that watches from New York. We have Jen's family that watches from Michigan. We have Ryan's family that watches from Nebraska. We have Ricky's family that watches from South Carolina and many, 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 many other, and of course our Grace family that watches here locally. I just, I applaud you. Thank you for sending the pictures in. Thank you for uh, just accepting and receiving the blessing that God has for you. And it may seem odd that we're going to talk about blessing or, or preach on blessing during this time, during a pandemic, uh, but I think that's when we need the blessing the most. And so uh, I encourage you to grab a hold, grab a pen grab a paper. Uh, we're going to pray over the offering here quickly. If you attend or belong to another church, but you watch us online, we need you to support the church that you attend, the church that you go to. That pastor, that team is waiting for your support. If you don't have a church and you'd like to support us, great. Uh, church, Grace Church family, we thank you for your support. But again, if you're watching, don't feel obligated uh, to, to give. But if you have another church, we really need to give for you to give to the church that, that you attend regularly, okay? Even during this time where you might be catching some spiritual food online with us. If you don't, then praise God. So what we like to do at Grace Church is raise our tithe and offering, our Bible, our phone, however you give. But I have a scripture. Church, uh, Paul told the church in Philippi uh, that my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I love that because it's not us that supplies the need. It's God Almighty. Amen. Your God will supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So raise your tithe or offering to the Lord. Raise your hand, your phone, whatever, however you give. If you mail it in, if you give it online, we thank you for your support. You've been consistent. You've been faithful. We thank you for that. We've had to upgrade some of our uh, equipment just to make sure that we can reach you live. So thank you for that support. Father, you said in your word through Paul, you would take care of our needs. Lord, we thank you. God, I pray blessing now upon each and every person, each and every giver, each and every home, Father, Lord, that is the sound of my voice, God. We pray and thank you, Lord, for those who faithfully give, Lord, to the Haiti children. We thank you for those who are giving to the food pantry so that we can give out food this Tuesday. We thank you, Lord, for those who are faithfully giving their tithe and their support so we can continue on, Lord, with this broadcast and keep the church doors open through a pandemic. Father, our faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence is in you. And we declare blessing over each one. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement from your home says...
Amen. Or from the auditorium, the 10 or so that we have here. I have a post-Easter scripture for you that I want to give, and then I'll give a short theological explanation, and I'll lead into our, our message. I want you to grab a hold of it today because I think it's important for a couple number of reasons, but to be blessed or to be a blessing, I believe, is a biblical right. I'll show you the origin of it and then how it just kind of steamrolls throughout the scripture. But turn with me, if you will, or just watch on the screen. John, the 20th chapter, reading verses 15 through 18. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for truth and honor and blessing and life. We thank you for that amazing worship where we can raise a hallelujah, where we can know that, God, you are so good, and, Lord, that we can proclaim that blessing, Lord, to our children, to our children's children, and to a thousand generations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was in uh, rehearsal today, the praise team, worship team rehearses every Sunday morning, whether you're here or not. We know you're live watching online. And uh, when they start showing the pictures, I just, I had a breakdown. I just, man, I, 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 I just love everybody so much and seeing the, the friends and family members and seeing our, our elders and our leaders in our church. And I'm just, I'm just tearing up. And Janie was praying for uh, the people during the rehearsal. And it wasn't a rehearsed prayer. She was just praying for them. I said, honey, you need to, you need to pray. You need to pray for the same thing, not maybe the same prayer, but you need to pray for everybody. Oh, you want me to? I was just praying for them. I, you know, I need you to. And I didn't tell her that I just was a, a, a puddled mess uh, just seeing everybody, but I, I just thought maybe it would be perfect for her to pray. And so I echo her prayers. I, I, I stand in agreement with her prayers that you will be blessed. You are blessed. You're going to get through this. This is not anything that's taken God by surprise nor by storm. That God has set aside blessings for us, and it happens in the garden, and then we retrace backwards. And I'll give you a theological stance here for a second. Uh, Jesus says in the scripture that we read, Mary, don't touch me in some translations. Others, the one we read, don't cling to me. I'm not yet ascended to my father. And other people would say, but he he was touched. He was cling to later on in scripture. He was on, on earth for 40 days, so on and so forth. If you go back to Matthew's gospel, the 27th chapter, right around verse 50, 51, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, the graves were open. That's a little bit out of order, but when we tell a story, sometimes we tell it in bits and pieces. When Jesus died, he went down into what some would say purgatory. We would say Abraham's bosom, and he preached to the godly lovers that were down there. And when they were down there, then they had nowhere to go. So the graves opened and they walked on the earth for, I believe, a very short amount of time. Jesus then paraded those first God lovers who had already died in Christ, but were, but he hadn't lived on, died on the cross yet. 
to heaven. And he ascended that crowd to heaven, and then he quickly came back. So in a sense, I believe theologically Jesus ascended at least twice to heaven, once right there on that day, so he could present himself a living sacrifice, the uh, perfect of the first fruit, of the first fruit of the resurrection, to his Father. And that's where those graves were open, and they proceeded before the Father as well. And then they ended up saying, in heaven, Jesus came right back. And then 40 days later, we would honor that as the ascension in front of the disciples that Luke talks about in both Luke's uh, 24th chapter and and the first chapter of Acts. So theologically, we believe there's no need anymore for Abraham's bosom or what some would call a purgatory because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the work that's done on the cross, there's no need now to be a holding place. Listen, if you're in Christ, your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven when you you pass from uh, death to life or from, we would say, life to life. If you need Jesus, just a accept him in your heart. Say, hey, Father, I I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he did, okay? That's important to know because theologically then, what we see here is Mary assumes him to be the gardener, and Jesus is going to go back to his father. So there's points of origin here that I'll get to. I'm going to tell you a quick story first. In 1812, 208 years ago, the Brothers Grimm wrote a fable or a nursery tale, it's not a rhyme, about Hansel and Gretel. And Hansel and Gretel were two young brother and sisters that uh, had a father, and the father uh, remarried, and had a, they, so they had a stepmother. And the stepmother was mean, and I'll tell you this story quickly. I'm, I'm going I'm to kid it down. I'm going to kid version because we have children watching, and, and some of them don't need to be spooked out by a nursery fable. And so the, it was poor times, and the stepmother didn't like Hansel and Gretel, so she told the husband to take him out into the, the forest and leave him there. Well, they overheard the story, and so Hansel filled his pockets with with pebbles, and he made a trail out. And so the first night when the father said, hey, I'll be back, he never came back, they followed the pebbles back to the house, okay? And then the stepmother, she was angry, and she was mad again, and she said, listen, you need to take him out further into the the deal, the forest. I don't want him to come back. So he takes him further into the forest the next day or two days later. And the same story, Hansel has his uh, pockets filled then with bread and he makes little breadcrumbs along the way. Well, the birds come and eat up the breadcrumbs and they get lost and they find a little house. The older lady seems nice. She ends up not being a nice person at all. The end of the story is the, the mean ladies dealt with. Hansel and Gretel are able to come back home after a series of weeks and they bring a pot of gold with them. And the father had gotten rid of, gotten rid of the, the stepmother because he knew she was mean and bad and they lived happily ever after. Well, the birds came and ate up the breadcrumbs. But here's, what I wanna, here's the point I want to make with the Hansel and Gretel story is I believe that the cross is a form of breadcrumb that leads us all the way back to the garden. And you need to get that because the cross doesn't just show us where Jesus died. Just doesn't show us. It shows us a couple things. And the garden is the point of origin. The garden, so the first Adam sins, so we carry sin, but the second Adam, Christ Jesus, is the firstborn from the grave, so he carries unto salvation, Paul says. So now we understand that this thing, this thing has an origin, and the origin takes us all the way back to 
of the garden. It's the, the cross is the breadcrumbs, if you will, that takes us back to the, the garden. So the garden is the point of origin, okay? So when we look at the garden as being the point of origin and the resurrection leads us back to the garden, then we understand that the cross does two things for us. In fact, Jesus dying on the cross does two things. The first one is relationship. We are, have a restored relationship with Jesus Christ because of the blood work that's done on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. That's, that's first. That's, that's the most important thing. But the second thing is the blessing. We have to understand where the blessing comes from and the rights that we have not only to be blessed, but to speak a blessing over our family, to do what Janie did, to pray a blessing over all of your pictures, over our whole church. There's a right there. We, in fact, we have a right. John 1 and 12 says that many as receive him, he has given the right, the power, the authority to be sons of God. So Jesus has this authority, and because we're joint heirs with Christ, we then have this right now to start pronouncing a blessing over the people. Now, we pronounce blessing of, 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 of prosperity, of blessing. We're not, we're not a name it and claim it church. We're not a blab it and grab it church. We, we say, though, if you're laid off, we're going to pray God gives you a blessing and gives you a job greater than the job that you had, making more money than what you had. If you're sick or you know someone in your family that's ill, we have the right to pray a blessing over you that there would be health and welfare in your family, that your soul would prosper, your body would prosper, you would, you would, you would be blessed in that. We have this right. That goes all the way back to the garden because the first thing that God said, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the first thing the Godhead said after he created them male and female, he said, he blessed them. So the twofold garden experience that Mary thought Jesus was the gardener, I think it's a type and shadow, that we go back to the garden. Christ in his, in his resurrection, he takes us back to origin. Origin is what? Fellowship with the creator and to be blessed. And that blessing is to be fruitful and multiply. Part of what we want to bless then is we want to bless our homes. We want to bless our children. We want to bless our children's children. And we hope that blessing stays for a thousand generations, which Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says. Listen, we can be blessed. And again, I think sometimes maybe different uh, television evangelists or preachers, maybe they take this out of whack and you can go ahead and you can start naming everything and there's a reason why you shouldn't have, you know, you should have three of this kind of car and four of those houses and five of those things. I think that's a little bit misinterpreted. I think, though, that as far as family is concerned, as far as loved ones concerned, as far as our church is concerned, church, you can be blessed, and we can partner together in blessing each other. So I'm going to walk you through a scenario, and you'll see how these things start to take place and how the blessing. So the blessing starts with Adam. We know, and listen, by the way, you can abort the blessing. Adam, or Adam aborted the blessing at first, right? Sin came in. There was, there was a fall. This is why we needed Jesus to take us all the way back to that origin, fellowship with the Creator, and to be blessed so that we can be a blessing, okay? So that, that goes back to the garden. Then we go from Adam to Abraham. That's the second point. So if we go from Adam to Abraham, we see a sevenfold blessing in Genesis, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 4. The, he'll, he'll bless you. He'll make your name great. He'll bless those that bless you. He'll curse those that curse you. You'll be a blessed generation. And this is, at first... 
is goes through to the Jewish people, okay? Now, the Jewish people in the world today make up less than 2% of the, of the world's population, yet they control 30% of the world's wealth. Why is that? They hold on to the blessings of the covenant. And a blessing is another word for a covenant. And so when God speaks something to our life or to our spirit, that becomes a covenant blessing to us. And so the last part of this sevenfold blessing that Adam, that Abraham has is that all families of the earth will be blessed. Now think about that for a second, because now we can all walk in the blessing. Again, that's a twofold covenant. The first is that God would bring us back to origin of fellowship. And so he had to bring out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, out of the tribe of Judah, out of the lineage of David, he had to bring a Savior, Christ the Lord. And so he brings a Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? That makes sense because that's the relational blessing. So we're, we are back to relationship. And then all the families then can be blessed on the earth. Now, it's again, it, it's a matter of do I believe that? Do I receive that? Jesus said in Mark's gospel, the 11th chapter, verses 23, 24, and 25, if you believe and you receive, you'll have those blessings that he has blessed us with. And so now it's a turn that we're not just talking to the Jewish uh, crowd or nation, we're talking to the Gentile crowd or nation as well. And so he says, all families of the earth shall be blessed. And we are what? We're all families. And this is why one of our motto, our main motto at Grace Church is that we're for all people. Why? Because Jesus came for all people, Luke 2 and 10, for all all the people he came. This is the reason why he came. It's also the reason why the cross is the breadcrumbs of life that take us back to the origin. Because once we see what Adam did, we go to Abraham, and now there's a new blessing and there's a new promise that take place. Well, Abraham then takes us to Moses, and Moses gives us a 17-fold blessing in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 14. Deuteronomy 28 is 68 verses long, but the last Last 54 verses are all about the curses if we don't line up with what he says in the first 14. So why not? The Bible says if we hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord and do what he says, then these blessings will come upon us and they will overtake us. We'll be the head and not the tail. We'll be the first and not the last. We'll be blessed coming in. We'll be blessed going out. That's part of the song that we just sang. It was in our goings and in our comings. This is a beautiful part of that song is Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. Right in the middle of those 17 blesses, blessings is verse number eight, and it says, and I will make your barns full, and I will bless whatever you do. Now, hear me on that, because this is important. I will make your barns full, and I will bless whatever you do. And you say, hey, Mark, I don't have a barn, you know, and most of us don't. Janie and I had a barn in Iowa. We had a small acreage, seven acres. She had three horses, uh, just beautiful horses, Wonder, Lily, and Ruby, and they were beautiful horses, and Wonder was her favorite horse. If she can have a favorite, and she rode Wonder all over the place, and we had a barn. Well, our house in Iowa was a craftsman-style house, old farmhouse that we, were re we redid or were redoing before we moved down here, and there's seven acres, and it had an old barn on the house. You need to grab a hold of this for a second. They wanted to build a lake out near our property, a 20-acre lake, to bring in tourism and travel. And so I didn't want them to, to, 
tear down the barn. I wanted the lake, but I wanted the barn, and the lake was going to back right up to our property. It ended up they didn't build the lake after all. But I, so I researched the barn. Our barn qualified to be a historical barn because it had very big, massive cedar beams that ran up through the middle of it. And it was called a cedar bean barn, and they were historical. And so while I was researching the barn, I found out, and this may be common to, to some of you, it wasn't to me at the time, the farmers, agricultural, and this is, what, this is what the Lord is telling us right here, so grab this, they would build the barn first so that they could put the seed in it and they could put the harvest in it, and then they would build the house. So the barn and property were actually a year or two years older than the house on the property so that they could raise the crop. The barn was an anchor spot, okay? So hear me. So if we read that scripture a little bit different, he says, and I will make your anchor spot full, and I will bless all you that you do. I will make your seed time full, and I will bless all that you do. I will make your harvest full, and I will bless all that you do. Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth exists, night and uh, day, heat and cold, winter and summer, seed time and harvest will always exist. It will never pass away. So what God is saying here, that if you're a stay-at-home mom and that home is your anchor place, I will make your home blessed and all that you do. If you're not even just, okay? Because in our minds, we think, I'm just a stay-at-home parent right now. No, you might be the most critically important person in the world right now because you're raising those kids up, okay? If you're a small business owner, you walk around your equipment or walk around your, your business or walk around your, your place of business, walk around your job site, and this is your anchor spot. God's going to bless me right here, and he's going to bless all that I do. I love the smell of barns. I love the uh, the cedar. I love the, uh, the horses, the horse hide. I even and I'm okay with some of the byproduct that the horses do away with. I love the straw. There's a smell there, but I think that smell takes us back to the garden, so to speak, so that we can understand that when God says in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter and the 8th verse, that your barns will be full, he's not talking about literal barns. He's not even talking about houses. He is in general, but he's talking about your anchor spot. You have the right to walk around your place of business, if you're the owner or not the owner, your, your equipment, if you're the owner or not the owner, you, you have the right to walk around your children. You have the right to walk around your spouses. You have the right to walk around your homes. You have the right to walk around your community and your neighborhood. And you have the right to say, Father, I bless seed time and harvest out of every single thing here. You have the right that God says he will bless everything that you do. If you're a songwriter, if you're an author, if you're an artist, if you're a mom or a dad, if you're a grandparent, anything that you do, God says that he will bless you. That's a promise. That's a covenant promise of the 17-fold covenant that God has in store for us as we walk through things and natures in our life. See, when we understand that we have this right, it goes back to the garden goes back to the garden, goes back to relationship and blessing. Now I have this 17-fold promise. And if I were you, I would read Deuteronomy 28 chapter, verses 1 through 14, at least once or twice a week, maybe read it every day, especially during this time, that you have the right that you, as you come in and you go out, he'll make you the lender and not the borrower. 
and make you the head and not the tail, the first and not the last. He will bless your barns and all that you do. If you're a teacher, walk around your classroom when school comes back open, maybe in the fall. And, bless, and then he blesses you and blesses your, your teaching ability. If you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, if you're a banker, if you're, again, a small business owner, bless the things that you do. Our team here walks through the auditorium. We, we pray on Sundays. We pray through the week when we're in here. Father, would you bless our people even though they may not be here? This is our anchor spot. This is our barn. This is our seed time and our harvest. And now, Lord, would you bless all that we do? Abraham to Moses, and the blessings go from sevenfold to seventeenfold. But now we go from Moses to David. And there's another twist here. Now we have, we have a threefold blessing, and this is an anointing. An anointing is like a super blessing, okay? So David now is in the line of, it's his lineage that he's going to produce, the, his line's going to produce the Messiah, one who dwells with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And so David was blessed, anointed three different ways, three different times by three different people groups. The first time was by the prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, God blesses uh, David through Samuel, the prophet, to be the new king of Israel, okay? Doesn't take place for another maybe 13 years or so, but he's got that anointing on him. And the Bible says the anointing jumped from Saul over to David. And so, yes, you can pick up somebody else's blessing just by being obedient to what God has to say for you, just by what God will do for you. I worked for a company, and I was in sales for 10 years, and the uh, I had known nothing about sales. The only thing that kept me uh, from starvation was I knew that my wife was home praying for me and, and the, the fact that I would pray around my business, the, the same blessing I told you about uh, with Moses. So I would pray and Janie would pray and at the end of the day, she'd say how it's going. The first year was horrible. Uh, halfway through the second year, I, I thought for sure they were going to fire me. The third year, it started to pick up. The fourth year, we started to gain steam. The fifth year, out of 3,000 sales reps in that organization, nationwide, I was the number ninth sales rep overall. Like, I was over the other, you know, 2,993 sales rep, and they called me in the office and said, hey, Mark, look at the, here's the numbers, and can you explain it? Can you help us out on the, uh, the next seminar? Can you tell us what your, what your answer is? I said, literally, okay, but I'd have to bring my wife. How come? She's home praying blessings over me. Now, hear me, I, I'm, not, I'm not a good salesperson. I had no idea what I was doing. I learned. I did my part. I went to seminars. I did training. But when you have someone that will pray over you and declare blessing over you, God honors that. Listen to me. That's, that may be one of the most important things. So David now has Samuel believing in him, the, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, the anointing jumps from Saul and jumps over onto David, okay? And then 2 Samuel, the second chapter, David gets another blessing, another anointing. It's by the elders in the community, and the Bible says it's on Mount Hebron. Hebron is the mountain, if you remember right, that Caleb took. So he was taking his blessing, and it was going to line up with blessings for 
a thousand generations until David came, and probably not that many until David came, but maybe 1,500 years. So now we see this blessing that's coming again. So your blessing today shouldn't just stop with you. Your blessing will bless your children, your children's children, their children's children, and on and on and on. So the elders put a blessing on him. And then Second Samuel, the fifth chapter, He's blessed by his peers, by his mighty men. Why is he blessed by his mighty men? And he's blessed in Jerusalem. Why? Because he was loyal to them. When David was in the cave of Dulam with all the men who were distracted and distressed and in debt and discouraged and they were mean and angry, he found a group of men who were just misunderstood. He found a group of men that would do anything for anybody if they were just accepted. See, that should be the church world right now, that we shouldn't like people for what they can do for us. We should love people because God loves them first, okay? Now, hear me. So David becomes a loyalist. Janie and I, whenever we go back to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, that's where we're from. We have most of our families back there. We see family and friends. And Jill, our daughter, who lives back there, will always say, where, where do you guys want to eat? And one of our places that we love to eat is Millar's on 21st and Pierce. If you're in Omaha and you're listening to me, you need to eat there. If you've never eaten there, you've got to go there. It's just kind of a hole in the wall. And, uh, but they have the best pasta in the world. They homemake the noodles. They homemake the deep-fried ravioli. They homemake the sauce. They only offer one kind of salad dressing and they homemake that, and it's like a sweet Italian vinaigrette, it, and they make brajoli, if I'm saying it right. And so we go down there, and we eat and eat and eat until we eat too much. And, uh, and so Jill will say, where else do you want to go? And we say, as a rule, we'll go to Cascio's because Cascio's is really similar to another place. And Jill and Jeff know the owner of Cascio's, and they've been in Omaha for a long, long time. In fact, last summer they were the answer on a Jeopardy question about porterhouse steaks. And you can buy a 20-ounce porter, porterhouse steak at this restaurant in Omaha, Nebraska. We knew right away, Cascio's. We're, we're yelling at the TV set, Cascio's, Cascio's. And, of course, Alex Trebek didn't hear us, and the person got the, the answer wrong. But we knew what the answer was. When we go to Cascio's, we go a little differently than when Jill and Jeff, they have a server that they, they like down there that's their favorite. But when we're in town, they always ask for a Deb Fisher. We call her Fish because Fish was our server, our waitress at Caniglia's for 25 years. Janie and I would eat uh, at least one time a week at Caniglia's. In fact, our kids had a 25th wedding anniversary for us at, at Caniglia's uh, with um, her parents, um, my uh, dad, uh, Jeff's parents, and then just our kids. Just a really cool, intimate uh, wedding anniversary. And Ronnie and Bobby and Chuck Caniglia were there. They presented us with a uh, really cool autographed uh, menu, which we still have today, by the way. There's a story behind that. You see, after George Sr. Uh, left office, he ate at Caniglia's in Omaha, Nebraska, and it was on a Thursday night. And we would go generally on a Friday night, but sometimes we would stop in on a Thursday. And where they would sit us is a, was a small, quaint room. It only had three other tables, and our table was near the back, and they always had our tea ready for us. And if you eat somewhere for 20 or 25 years every week, they take care of you. And so uh, we came in that Friday, and, and Bobby said, man, it's a good thing you didn't guys come last night. And what, what happened last night? Why is it a good thing? He said, well... George Sr. was in here. And we said, well, why, why was it a good thing we didn't come? He said, well, we had to give him your table. 
<laughs> True story. And uh, Chuck said, yeah, we did not know if, who we were going to give the table to. If you guys showed up or if George Sr. showed up because he had to have the room, uh, you know, secret service-wise. And we, we couldn't put you guys at a different table. On our 25-year anniversary, they offered us that table and chairs that not only did George Sr. sit at, but that Mark and Annette Jane Dolphin sat at for over 25 years while we ate at Caniglia's. There's a sense of loyalty in that. I gained loyalty from my father. My wife and I are loyal. I believe our kids are loyal. I love uh, loyalty and what loyalty produces. But you have a father in heaven that is more loyal than anything that we could ever imagine. And when he says that he's going to give you a blessing that you can give to somebody else, it's an amazing thing. In Chronicles, First uh, Chronicles, let me write it. I, have it. I think it's on the screen there, but let me. Second Chronicles, the sixth chapter. Actually, I think that's wrong. It's Second Samuel, the sixth chapter. It should, should be Second Samuel. Second Samuel, the sixth chapter. David is bringing back the Ark of the Covenant. And worship team, you guys can probably come back. Second Samuel, the sixth chapter, David is bringing back the Ark of the Covenant. And you know the story. Basically, every 18 feet, every six steps, the Bible says, he stops and he, he makes a sacrifice of an oxen or a sheep or a goat unto the Lord. Now, he travels that back seven miles because Obed-Edom's house is getting blessed because they have the ark. And again, the ark represents the, the presence of the Lord. The ark represents the breadcrumbs of the cross to take us back to the garden. And so David is coming back with the ark of the covenant. And when he hits Jerusalem, everybody's dancing. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody is blessing each other. There's an amazing, just an amazing, it's like having church on Sunday in Western civilization. And David is grabbing now what Jesus did on the cross that takes us back to the garden. Not only relationship, because the presence of God is there, the ark is there there, but now he's going to bless. And here's what we're going to do in just a moment. Now, hear me one more time. So David stands in front of everybody and offers them the bread, but then he offers to bless every family, and then he wants every family to take that family, to take that blessing back to their home. That's the right you have. You have, you have a right to bless your family. Grandparents, you have a right to bless your kids and your children's kids. Single mothers, single fathers, you have a right to bless your kids and their future kids. Uh, young people, you have a right, listen, you have a right to bless your future spouse and your future kids. This is a right that God has given us by relationship in the garden and by blessing in the garden. David exercises that right in 2 Samuel, the sixth chapter, when he blesses the families, which I'm going to do here in a moment, and we're going to sing a song. And if your family's with you, maybe you just want to grab their hand or stay socially distant and just uh, moms, dads, grandparents, uh, future moms, and dads, maybe you just want to put your hand out towards the TV or the computer or the phone or towards your house or in your living room. I, I suggest to you today, why not declare a blessing on your family? 
Why not declare a blessing if it needs salvation, like Janie said, if it needs, uh, if it needs finances, if it, if it needs health or welfare. However you need that blessing today, it is your God-given right. The breadcrumbs of the cross take us all the way back to the garden. David knew that because he was in the presence of the Lord. Where two or three shall gather together in his name, there will he be in the middle of them. So you're together in, in Christ followers. You have the right. Now, this is not superstition. It's not a mystery. It's not mythology. It's simply God's word that says you have the right to put a blessing on the people in your sphere of influence. And that's what we're going to do right now because we've been given that right. That's one of the duties of the cross. Christ gave us that right. So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to bless you. And in turn, I want you to bless your families. I want you to start, when during this next song, I want you to start naming out loved ones in your life, loved ones in your family. Maybe they're uh, extended family members. I want you to start naming them. When I start, start seeing some of the family members up there, some of our church family members up there, I could not contain it. When Janie started to pray, I could not contain it. It was just beyond me. God, you are so good. God, you are so wonderful. God, you are so precious that you've given us the right to speak a blessing over people in our lives. Father, I pray right now, Lord, according to your word, according to your way, and according to the right that you've made us sons and daughters of the living God. You've given us the power, the authority, the right to pronounce a blessing to every person within the sound of my voice, oh God. I speak a blessing upon them. I speak health upon them. Father, I speak blessings of, of, of blessings of prosperity upon them, Lord, finances, increase, promises. I speak, Father, Lord, blessing, oh God. Father, Lord, of relationships, oh God. I pray I pray you repair things in their life. Oh God, undo things in their life. Father, Lord, I speak against depression and I pray for joy and welfare. I speak, Father, Lord, life, oh God, and not death. Father, happiness and not sorrow, God. Father, Lord, fulfillment and not loneliness. I pray in Jesus' name, Father, hedge your protection and a shield of favor over them right here and right now we declare it. Not according to our word, but according to your word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now as we sing, start declaring those blessings in your life.
how many of you received that message today? What a powerful blessing that God has placed on us. You know, Proverbs tells us that there is power of life and death in our tongue. And today you might not feel blessed. You might not feel healthy. You might not feel whole. You might feel anxious. You might feel depressed. You might feel bitter. You might feel like you've just got a lot of stuff going on in your life. But I want to challenge you today to just declare that song over your life. To declare, I am blessed. I am called. I am chosen. You might not feel like you're God's favorite right now. You might not feel like you're anyone's favorite. But you are highly favored of the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you got laid off. It doesn't matter if your sales are down. God says this in his word in Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 2. It says, if you obey the Lord your God. Here are the blessings that will come to you and remain with you. You will be blessed in the cities. You will be blessed in the field. Your children will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed. The young animals among your livestock will be blessed. That includes your calves and your lambs. Talk about your stocks. You're talking about your retirement. Talk about your 401k. Talk about all these different things. Not even just uh, financially, but spiritually. It says your baskets and bread pans will be blessed. You will be blessed no matter where you go. Listen to this. Enemies will rise up against you, but the Lord will help you win the battle over them. They will come at you with one direction, but they'll run away from you in every direction. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord lifts up a standard against him. He says, I am your banner. That means when you're going into this war, when you're going into this uh, this fight, a fight of your life, sometimes sometimes it's a fight for your spiritual life. Sometimes it's a fight for your marriage. Right now with uh, everything that's going on, we know we are hard pressed from every direction. But the enemy comes in like a flood, but the enemy is going to flee in every direction because the Lord is on your side. Amen. Amen. As I was chatting in the box, uh, I was hearing in the chat box on Facebook, I was hearing people talking about uh, in the medical field, pray for us. We're on the front lines. Other people saying, I'm dealing with depression and anxiety. Other people saying, just just uh, pray for my finances. So right now we're going to close and we're just going to make that declaration that we are blessed, that we are chosen, that we are highly favored of the Lord. And, and uh, uh, Lord, let's just lift up our voices together all across this place. Hold a hand of those uh, people next to you. Father, I just declare blessings over each and every person that is watching now or watching on demand later. God, and we just declare the blessings and the favor of the Lord upon each and every person. Father God, that we declare it for ourselves, for our church, for our children and our children's children. Lord, to a thousand generations, Lord, we are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. No weapon formed against us can prosper. God, you are for us, so who can be against us? Lord, we just lift up a banner that says, the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my my healer. The Lord is my God in whom I will trust. And we just declare these blessings over each and every person today. And we thank you even in advance for seeing them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you throughout this week. And, uh, and stay tuned at gracechurch.tv. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.